Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Now, amid political and economic turmoil, the future of the UK is uncertain. Also, we'll be looking at the Freedom Thought Prize, the European Union's highest tribute to human rights defenders. Eleanor Smallwood, host and producer at the BBC, joins us to discuss the headlines you should be paying attention to this week. Hi, Eleanor. Hello, good evening. Thanks for joining us, Eleanor. First up, though, let's talk about Hong Kong. It's a big week for the city as the new chief executive, John Lee, is making his first ever policy address. And it's, of course, likely to set the tone for the coming months in the territory. Some key themes are emerging. Tell us what's striking your attention. Yes, of course, a lot has been said about the Communist Party conference in Beijing. But Thursday's address by Hong Kong's executive, which is following on from that, will also be pretty interesting. We know, of course, that Hong Kong answers to the government in Beijing and John Lee was handpicked by the Chinese government, inaugurated by Xi Jinping himself just three months ago. So it will be interesting to see how the territory moves forward with its policies, but particularly with coronavirus restrictions, of course, because, as as you all well know, uh, being where you are, that Hong Kong has been a part of the world that has had very stringent borders. Uh, In Beijing on Sunday, President Xi doubled down on his own zero-COVID strategy. Hong Kong's John Lee is known for his hardline pro-Beijing stance, but but has made comments in the past signalling that the territory wants to move towards relaxing rules and has been signalling that it's going to try and make efforts towards getting, getting tourism back on its feet there, really. So we might be able to expect a step towards further relaxing of travel curbs, but rules have been pretty tight there, so I don't think anyone is expecting anything particularly drastic. Aside from that, this is his first policy address as chief executive, and so this will hopefully give us a good indication of the kind of leadership we can expect during John Lee's tenure. And as someone who has signalled that he wants to work very closely with the government in Beijing, I think those in the territory that aren't very enthusiastic about Beijing's influence will probably be bracing themselves. Yes, I'm sure. And before we get to talking about their security law, I understand that he's also expected to unveil rail and road projects to revive the economy. What can you tell us about this? Yes, indeed. I mean, as his big first policy address, there's going to be a whole sweep of uh, things brought in to kind of signal that Hong Kong's trying to boost its economy after a very difficult uh, few years. I mean, we have to bear in mind that it is one of these places that for a very, very long time had three weeks of quarantine. So, and that that has come with with hardship. So, John Lee is really trying to show that uh, that Hong Kong is rallying and is moving towards normality. Not quite there yet, but we can expect a lot of announcements that are going to suggest that Hong Kong is trying to uh, move out of what has been a tough phase for the territory and the world. Mm. Eleanor, you mentioned that he's seen as pro-Beijing, and we've known this for a long time about John Lee. The fact is that their security law has been a point of contention for quite some time. Where are we at in this regard? Well, uh, John Lee has been very open about the fact that he sees security as his top priority in Hong Kong. 
Uh, he comes from a law enforcement background and has already voiced his commitment to that security law. And of course, in the face of the huge protests that we saw uh, in in Hong Kong, uh, he he remained faithful to the security law and didn't waver. And and that, that, that very law, of course, cracks down on, quote, subversion against the Chinese government and is widely seen as a crackdown on those voicing opposition to Beijing. So with regards to that, I think it, it's going to be continuity and we will see, see that upheld. And, you know, potentially that will come with harsh punishments for people who uh, voice opposition to, to, to Beijing within the territory. Just one last thing on Hong Kong, Eleanor, before we talk about what's happening where you are in the UK. Uh, John Lee has been in this position for three months now. What would you say his leadership is best known for at this stage anyway? Well, one, one decision of note that has happened in recent weeks was John Lee refusing to implement US sanctions on uh, a Russian oligarch's yacht that's moored in Hong Kong. And he commented that they would never follow that. They would go with what people, the UN sanctions. So, well, Western government said that Hong Kong is being used by some to avoid sanctions that have come in as a result of the war in Ukraine. And we we do know that China has remained an ally to Russia and has so far not condemned the invasion. So all in all, I think it's fair to see his time as chief executive as, well, certainly a significant point for Hong Kong. And there's been quite a lot of upheaval in the territory. So we've seen crackdown on opposition voices. And of course, with COVID, uh, I think even though that there isn't zero COVID, so to speak, in force in Hong Kong, we are seeing a pattern of closer alignment than ever, really, with mainland China, if if anything. And I, I, I suspect that that will continue going forward. All right. From Hong Kong, let's move to talking about political and economic turmoil in the UK, where you are, Eleanor. So Kwasi Kwarteng out. New Chancellor Jeremy Hunt is in, and we've just heard that he's reversing almost all recent tax changes, leaving the Prime Minister's original plan in tatters. What can you tell us? My goodness, yes. I mean, when I was putting together the topics that I was going to talk about with you late Mm. last week, I knew that this would probably make it onto the agenda, but I certainly didn't expect the sort of flurry Mm. of activity that we've had just this morning and in the last few minutes. Uh, It's safe to say that uh, Liz Truss has had a very bumpy start to her leadership. Her pledge to cut taxes was at the heart of the agenda that got her selected as Prime Minister, but now she's bid farewell to a lot of the key parts of that and is going down a different course with her new finance minister, Jeremy Hunt. And what Mr. Hunt has done this morning is put out a message that an adult is now in control and that the government hasn't completely levelled with the public about how serious the economy's challenges are right now. But things are moving very quickly. You know, we had this announcement that just about finished and that was seen as a key test of whether investors were reassured by the change of plan. Certainly there's been a lot of vocal criticism about 
her decisions. Even President Joe Biden has been weighing in, saying that he thought that her original mini-budget was a mistake. But importantly, it's good to note here that the PM is grappling with economic and political credibility, and she is now in charge of a government that is on track to do the opposite of what she originally promised. And that's left some on the right of the party a bit frustrated. Yes, I'm sure. So is there a political future for Liz Truss? I think with the, the way things are going hour to hour, it's, it's very difficult to say at this mm. point. Uh, the situation is just changing so quickly, uh, reflected by this emergency statement that we've had just today. And that follows a meeting over the weekend that she had with Jeremy Hunt at a place called Chequers, which is the Prime Minister's country residence. Uh, Liz Truss will be hoping that the tax cut reversals that have been brought in will be enough to shore up support within her own party. There's no doubt that questions have been raised about her decision to re- stay so far. The BBC has had lots of reports of MPs discussing her removal and those who are saying that suggesting it could be within weeks, others in days but the truth is we just don't know at the moment because it's changing so rapidly. The new finance minister has said that the Conservatives will be judged on the next 18 months of governance which suggests that they're hoping to weather the storm all the way through to the next general election. So it's safe to say the coming week is very crucial because the Prime minister's survival hinges on how it pans out and whether it's deemed as enough to calm down the upheaval. Well, at this point, we're hearing that the basic rate of income tax will remain at 20% indefinitely. This is likely to go down way better than what we saw come out of Kwasi Kwarteng. Things would suggest so. When when the markets opened this morning, we did see a bit of stabilising after what has been a very jittery period. But, you know, the question will be whether whether it's going to be adequate, both in economic terms and political terms for the Prime Minister. So uh, we're, we're on a very trepidatious path right now. And mm. let, let's just see where we are on Friday. All right. Uh, let's move on to talking about something less tumultuous, hopefully, depending on how you look at it. On Wednesday, the European Parliament is expected to award its Freedom of Thought Prize given to those that the body deems to be defenders of human rights. What can we expect this time round? Yes, uh, the European Parliament's prestigious Freedom of Thought or Sakharov Prize has come around and has some pretty high-profile names on the shortlist, including WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, the Mm. people of Ukraine, and Colombia's Truth Commission. They are all in the running for the prize, which is 48,000 US dollars of endowment, as well as additional support for their own causes. Those three candidates were nominated by a panel of members of European Parliament. Uh, The people of Ukraine were backed by the three main groups, which gives them people see the edge. If they are picked this week, the prize will be symbolically handed to President Volodymyr Zelensky alongside other elected Ukrainian officials. But alongside them, you've got Julian Assange, who sits in the running, and he's doing so whilst, of course, fighting an extradition case in the UK. He's facing spying charges in the United States over classified documents leaked by his own organisation. And then finally, you have Colombia's Truth Commission, which was set up during the nation's peace process 
process that brought to an end the conflict between its own government and the revolutionary armed forces of Colombia. So very interesting candidates and the winner who will have been chosen by the conference of presidents will be revealed just a few days on from now. The thing is, just taking a step back, this prize has quite an interesting history, doesn't it? Yes. So the prize is named after a Soviet physicist and political dissident called Andrei Sakharov, who was vocal on civil liberties during the time of the Soviet Union. Now, he was heavily involved in nuclear work, but in doing so became increasingly conscious about the implications of his research and field of expertise. Uh, which gradually made him pivot towards activism. And he did eventually get exiled as a result of that. So really quite an extraordinary namesake for the prize. It's been running since 1988 and has had some very high-profile people win it over the years. Its very first recipient was Nelson Mandela, ah. uh, who got the prize when it was established. And whoever gets the honour this year is following in the footsteps of Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny, who won it last year. And Mr. Navalny is, of course, still jailed in Russia. Mm. So a fair few of the winners have then gone on to win the Nobel Peace Prize. So you can always certainly expect it to go to pretty well-known names. We'll certainly keep an eye on that one. Thank you so much, Eleanor. Eleanor Smallwood, host and producer at the BBC. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.